On this episode of Bench Warming Podcast, we take a look at how we got to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta and what we can expect from the Rams and the Patriots in the big game on Sunday. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Oh yeah, and somebody roll the intro music. Welcome back, everybody. It's Joe here with Bench Warming Podcast. And we have reached one of my favorite times of the year, but also kind of the saddest time of the year. It's Super Bowl week. I enjoy it because I love the Super Bowl. I love getting to watch it. But it's kind of sad because that means we're getting ready to start into quite the uh, time without any football, about eight months or so. Without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in. We have the Rams versus the Patriots this coming Sunday in Atlanta for Super Bowl 53. And probably the best thing that I enjoy are just the crazy props that go along with the Super Bowl. And for those of you that don't know what props are, it's just different things that you can bet on. Random things that are a little bit more focused on during the Super Bowl because it's the only game going on. You have a lot to focus on. You know, you still got your typical betting props like over, under, total yards. You know, you can bet against the spread. You can bet with the spread. Whatever you want to do, you know, you have those options, but... When it comes to the Super Bowl, you have fantastic things like, is the coin toss going to be heads or tails? You know, this year, I'm going with heads. And then you also have things like, who's going to win the coin toss? It's new this year, I think, just because of how well he's done throughout the season calling plays. One of the props that a lot of people are betting on is, how many plays is Tony Romo going to call right in the booth? That one's funny. I enjoy that one. New... This year, I know that it's probably been one in previous years, but it's definitely higher this year since, you know, last year, Philly, Philly, Philly special, whatever you want to call it. One of them is, is a non-QB going to throw a passing touchdown? Very interesting like that one. I'm going to say no this year, not going to, not going to see any, um, you know, Philly specials, anything crazy like that. And then one of the classics I love to look at every year, what color is the Gatorade going to be? I'm going with orange this year. Let's see how that goes. And it's just, there's a bunch of crazy things like that. You know, who's going to win the coin toss? I don't necessarily think it's a prop, but it's possible that people are doing it. Will the refs blow a call? So on and so forth. I love it. It's always fun to do. I've never actually put any real money on it just because, I mean, I don't know even how you would do that. I don't know where to go when you're in the Midwest to put down a prop bet or anything like that. So if you love kind of things like that, just to have some fun with it. Do it with some friends. Make up your random prop pit. You know, how long is the national anthem going to take? Who's going to win the Super Bowl MVP? And in that MVP speech that they give, who are they going to mention first? Is Bill Belichick going to have on a sleeveless hoodie or just random things like that? Go ahead and do it. Have fun. Do it with some friends. Find someone on Facebook that wants to have fun and bet on something stupid like that. But make sure you know them or at least trust them enough to actually follow through if they lose the bet. So let's just go ahead and hop on into it. We're going to take a step back to two weeks ago now, well, a week ago now, when we had the conference championships going on. We're going to start off with the NFC Championship game, the first game of the day, Rams versus Saints. That was an overtime thriller. Both of them were, but this one was 26 to 23, obviously in favor of the Rams because they're there. And I think that everyone's focus in this game is the blown call. And very well, it should be. That was a very obvious thing. But there were a lot of things that happened throughout this game that kind of tilted the scales out of the Saints' favor. They were up 13-0. They could have really put it down and just kept going. But it seemed like they kind of 
relaxed and it really hurt him in the long run. You know, I still feel like for the Saints, they're one big playmaker away from making it into the Super Bowl and actually winning. And by playmaker, I mean, I think they're missing either a good tight end or a wide receiver, something of that matter they need on their lineup just to kind of push them up and over that hump. Because, I mean, you focus so much on Michael Thomas throughout the year with with total right. He, I mean, he had a great season. He was on one of my fantasy squads and he was great. But then you have a situation like this in this postseason game that is huge. It's for the Super Bowl. It's win or go home, and you don't get another shot at it for another year. And I think Michael Thomas had three or four catches, and that was it. He had less than 50 yards, and that sucks. I mean, you need that extra playmaker, whether it's to go out and make the plays or to draw some of that coverage off of Michael Thomas so that you can start feeding him the ball more. And whether that's through a tight end or through a strong wide receiver too, I don't know. You just got to find something. You really do if you're the Saints. But here's my thing. I get where you think the blown call really decided this game. But if we're being honest, Sean Payton blew the game before that call. When you're coming out with first down in the red zone, under two minutes left, Rams have two timeouts. You run the ball twice, make them use both of their timeouts, and then you decide what to do. Sean Payton came out and threw on first down. Incomplete pass that stopped the clock. It helped the Rams save a timeout and I don't I just don't understand it. Had it worked, it would have been a great play. Had it worked, it would have been a fantastic play because it was a quick slant to Michael Thomas, but the pass was too low, couldn't catch it. I mean they would have picked up a few yards. It was in the middle of the field, so the clock would have still ran and they would have had to call a timeout. But you didn't complete it and that's huge. That's why in that situation you have to run the ball. I mean, you run the ball into the line, maybe Kamara or Ingram find a hole and pick up a first down or even score a touchdown. But at that point, throwing a pass, it's 50-50. He's either going to catch it or he's not. And you have a hard time going against those odds of him. Oh, he's going to catch it. Like, I understand. But still, I mean, that was, to me, that was the key play. Yes, I get it that no call was huge. But if you're not in that situation to begin with, and that call should never have to be made. And if you're running the ball on first down, you take yourself out of the need to throw on third down and things like that. And I'm going to kind of get into this blown call here now that I've kind of set the scene on how I felt about this. I think that the Saints kind of blew this game long before that blown call, and it's huge because you look at this blown call, and... At first glance, when you're watching the game, obvious. It's got to be pass interference. It's got to be hit-to-head. Anything. And you can't tell me that no one saw it. It was the final minutes of this game. Every single eye on that field and in that stadium were on that ball and on that play. And even if they weren't, as an official, one of the official's main jobs is to follow plays down the field like that to catch things like that happening in the act. And... Somehow this call goes unmissed. Somehow this call goes unseen. No pass interference. No helmet-to-helmet contact. Nothing. That makes no sense to me as how to no one saw that. Now there are reports coming out saying the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. Okay, so the ball was tipped at line of scrimmage. Then don't call it pass interference. It wouldn't have been, it shouldn't have been pass interference. It should have been head-to-head contact. That is the worst foul there. And calling it head-to-head contact is much 
worse of a call than the DPI. And I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand how you can't call anything on that play as much as they have focused on these calls and on protecting people's heads and the CTE and everything. Obviously, you know, if this one hit causes CTE, I would be shocked. But still, like, this idea that you're going to focus so much on these certain types of penalties, these certain types of calls, and then you miss that call when everyone knows we're following the ball. We're watching this play develop. This is what's going to happen. No one threw a flag. It makes no sense to me. And here's my thing. Okay, so there's now a video that I saw on Facebook of everything slowed down, and it points out there's a face mask on uh, Aaron Donald, and I think like a holding or something on someone else. I don't remember. But they were like, oh, there's these two penalties on the offensive line. Okay, first off, you're going to find a holding play on every play if you look hard enough. If you put everything under a microscope, every play, every offensive lineman, you're going to find a penalty of holding at some point on one play. So let's throw that one out and just focus on, okay, there was a face mask. Yes, it's clear that there was a face mask, hands to the face, whatever you want to call it, against Aaron Donald. So you throw that penalty. But if you throw this other penalty, whether it's a defensive pass interference or it's a head-to-head contact, those penalties offset replay the down, and it's a different game. They don't throw any flags. Here we sit going, why didn't we throw a flag? Okay, so theoretically, let's say they threw the defensive pass interference, didn't throw the face mask, so it's no offsetting penalty, it's just the defensive pass interference. By rule in the NFL, as far as I'm aware, you can still, you can challenge that play and see if the ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage. But here's my thing. No one at that time, and don't sit back and tell me someone did, knew that that ball was tipped at the line of scrimmage because no one said anything about it in the post game. No one said anything about it on the field or anything like that. It wasn't until this past week after the players had already gone home and watched film and everyone had watched the game and blah, 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 and people were going over the last play very slowly going, how could you miss the call, that someone pointed this out. So no one at that time would have been like, Let's challenge that, Sean McVay. That was tipped at the line of scrimmage because no one saw that. So it doesn't matter what penalty you throw there, what penalty you want to call, it's still there. And to those who say, oh, it shouldn't have been called no matter what, if it shouldn't have been called, then the NFL shouldn't have fined Nickel Roby Coleman for the hit. It's that simple. I feel like if you get fined for a hit, there should be a penalty on it. Obviously, the NFL finds something wrong with that. And there's another call in this overtime that I kind of, I, I don't understand how it's not, wasn't called just because it seems like it was another thing that they super focused on. And it was on Drew Brees' interception. There was contact to his helmet. There was contact in the head area, a hand. You can see it. If you go back and watch when he threw his interception after getting hit and you slow it down, you can see the defensive lineman's hand hit him in the helmet. I will touch on this penalty later in the Pats Chiefs game, and you all know what I'm going to talk about when it comes to that game. But I don't want to sit here and keep rambling on about this Rams-Saints game because I think it's pretty obvious how I see it. Bottom line is the bone call sucked. New Orleans still could have won the game, still should have won the game. It was their game to win, and they lost it. And while the blown call is so magnified, I do feel like there's a lot of errors in the way that game was played by the Saints towards the end of that game. So... Bottom line, blown call sucks. Rams move on. Let's move on to the second game of Championship Sunday. 
we saw the Patriots versus the Chiefs in yet another overtime thriller that the Pats won, obviously, 37-31. to So this is kind of how I see this game. Kansas City lost this game. New England didn't win it. And this isn't me being a Patriots hater. This isn't me being a Pat Mahomes lover, whatever it is. This is just flat-out honesty. Kansas City lost that game. The only drive of overtime that New England had, they were stopped twice at third and long. I think three times, actually, at third and long. And they still converted. That is how bad this defense was for the Chiefs all year. We saw it time and time again. And that's just that's just the overtime issues. That's not including everything that we saw throughout the game. Let's take a look at the last drive of regulation for the Pats and just kind of digest that and figure out what was going on there and kind of point out some things that everyone else saw. So, twice they had them stopped or a turnover. And both of those would have ended the game. They could have just taken time off the clock, gone down as far as they could on the field, whether that's scoring a touchdown, kicking a field goal, whatever. And that would have changed the game. I mean game over twice they had a penalty screw them over granted here the first one I will sit here and I will argue until the cows come home that is the worst penalty that I saw the entire season the defensive lineman for the Chiefs touches Tom Brady's face mask just barely brushes it and they call roughing the passer this is something that I only saw called against Tom Brady the entire year, and this is what I was talking about earlier in that New Orleans Saints-Rams game, the missed call in overtime, the hand to the face. That was more egregious than this call against Brady was, but we only saw it called in one instance against Brady. I go back to another game earlier in the season. Colts-Pats, Thursday night football, similar situation. Tom Brady gets tapped on the head, and it's a 15-yard penalty first down. Later in the same quarter, I think it was the very next drive... Andrew Luck gets hit in the head much more egregiously than Tom Brady has been hit this entire year. Nothing is called. We only saw these penalties called when it came to touching the head against Tom Brady. We saw some of the bad roughing the passer calls where it was body weight, whatever, called earlier on in the season. But we didn't see any of these whimsy, pathetic, touch of the head, roughing the passer calls against anyone but Tom Brady. And I will sit here and I will argue until the day I die that that should not have been a penalty because of how poorly that that was called. Bottom line is, they got the penalty. They had a chance to go on. And then the Chiefs stopped them again. You would think, yes, here we go. That's what I'm talking about. Interception, let's get the ball back. Hold the horses. The Chiefs mess up again. Someone's lined up in the neutral zone. The interception's negated, five-yard penalty, replay the down, Pats get the first down. Are you serious, Chiefs? All year I talked about it, all year I saw it, anytime I had the chance to play someone against the Chiefs defense, I was going on it. They were terrible, they had their chances multiple times, and they just, they couldn't do it. The Chiefs lost this game, plain and simple. And you can go back and say, and I still think, I would love to see a rule change where if a neutral zone infraction has no effect on the impending play, meaning something in this case where the uh, defensive lineman was lined up on the opposite side of where the ball went, he had no pressure on the quarterback, didn't touch Brady or anything like that, 
I think you should be able to wave off that uh, neutral zone infraction and just take the result of the play. Because he didn't get in the neutral zone and then have a ball ran to his side where he got a stop two or three yards back because he was off the line. There was nothing affecting this play on that neutral zone infraction. But the rules are the rules. It was a penalty, and the Chiefs just couldn't do it. That Brady interception was negated, and here we are. And I just, I just don't understand how it's possible. I don't, it makes no sense to me. I, the Pats are there because the running game and their defense played well. Their defense shut down this fantastic offense from the Chiefs. And I mean, Sony Michelle, James White, and somehow Rex Burkhead just ran crazy. Tom Brady had nothing to do with this. Yes, he did well in that overtime, but it should have never gotten there because that terrible penalty, okay, the roughing passer, and then this other one. And here we sit. They're going back. And essentially, like I said, I mean, you look at the overtime again. Three times they had it third and long. They didn't allow them to do anything. Three times on that lone drive in overtime. And the Chiefs could not stop them on the final play. Here we sit. Third and 10. Okay, surely they'll stop him. No. Next time, third and 10. Nothing. Third and long again, nothing. And it just, that's the bottom line of this game that I had. That's the bottom line that I took from this entire Chiefs team. And if they ever expect to get anything further, they need to fix this defense. It doesn't matter if your team is out there putting up 70 points. When it gets to the playoffs and you're getting against these teams that have good defenses and can put up points too, it, it doesn't matter because as, as long as that defense is able to stop them, even just three times throughout the game, if your defense can't stop them once, then that's game. The bottom line is that the horrendous defense of Kansas City was finally exploited too much by Brady in this offense. And I can sit here and I can argue bad calls there, there, and there, or I can say, how could you not stop him? Bottom line is the defense did play better in the second half than it did the first half. And, you know, they did have that comeback. But still, the defense is the big issue. Obviously, we all know how good Pat Mahomes played this year. We know how advantageous it is to have someone as fast as Tyreek Hill and someone that can catch as many passes as Travis Kelsey. You know, they've got some other pieces around them now with, you know, they've got Kelvin Benjamin there who should be really interesting to see once he has some more time under his belt in that system. They've got Sammy Watkins and just some really good pieces on that offense. But until they really figure out how to solidify that defense and make it into a top 15, top half of the league, whether it's 15 or higher, it doesn't matter. But until they can figure out something to do, they're just going to continue to be disappointed like this in some of the bigger stages because, I mean, it's going to affect you at some point. And we finally saw that this past Sunday on Championship Sunday. I just, I feel bad for them because I really thought this was their chance. I thought they were going to be able to get over the hump. And here they sit at Kansas City this weekend, doing nothing. You know, Pat Mahomes is probably out there golfing. If you haven't seen that video of Pat Mahomes, I think it was at a Top Golf, just absolutely launching a ball. Go find it. I think it was on. It was either ESPN or Sports Center. The dude can swing a golf club. I mean, holy cow! But I mean, if you're the Chiefs, focus on your defense. Get get your head straight on that side of the ball. There should be no reason why three times. In a championship game in overtime, you are allowing a first down on third and long. Cut out the stupid pass or the stupid penalties. I know that you can't do anything that like that, but I think that something needs to be looked at 
on the NFL's side. There needs to be something fixed there. There's no reason why no one else in the league can get a penalty when someone touches their face mask. But then when it comes down to the biggest drive of the season for these teams right now, barring anything in the Super Bowl, that that is called a penalty. There's no reason why. It makes no sense. I mean, that is not roughing the passer. That is not putting him at danger. That is not doing this. That is not doing that. He touched the face mask. Something needs to be fixed on these plays because it's annoying. And obviously, you know, people love offense. That's why, you know, some of these penalties are coming. That's why people are like, oh, I'd rather see a 35 to blah, blah, blah game instead of a game like the Colts Jaguars earlier this year that was six to zero. No one wants to see that anymore. People want to see high scoring games. That's why the NBA seems to be swinging up in popularity and sports like baseball are swinging down because it's all about offense, offense, offense. But something needs to be fixed there because there's a difference between having a very high scoring game and a very volatile offense and then just having a game that has poor calls that totally ruined certain team seasons. We saw that not once, but twice on Championship Sunday. In both games, we saw it. And I, something needs to be fixed there, NFL. Obviously, we can't go back and change anything. We have the Rams, the Patriots in the Super Bowl, whether we like it or not. And, you know, here we sit looking at it. It's just something that I think someone has to think we need to look into in the future. At some point, we have to look into it. And with that being said, I, it's time to just kind of roll in because I'm not going to sit here and argue and talk your ear off. You guys know how I feel. Blown call at the end of the Saints-Rams game did affect the game, but it should have been different from the beginning because Sean Payton made a mistake. Chiefs-Patriots game really should have been the Chiefs at the end, but again, a terrible penalty call. I mean, the opposite of what happened in the Rams-Saints game, terrible call, and then just a Terrible mistake on that defensive line, and again, terrible defense. So that's that. Those are my takeaways from those games. Let's get to the preview: Rams, Pats, Super Bowl Fifty Three, Atlanta. I think my biggest question at this point, going into this game, and this is question, not things that I think are going to have an issue. My biggest question is: Is Todd Gurley fully healthy? We saw him miss, I think, the last three games of the regular season. Obviously. Those games kind of don't mean as much when you get towards the end. For them, actually, they were playing for uh, home, or not home field advantage, first round by, so it did have an effect. He didn't play in those. He didn't play the first week of the playoffs because they had the bye. And then when we, he comes back and he has a good game against the Cowboys, but he still gets out outshined by C.J. Anderson. And then he barely gets the ball in this Rams-Saints game. Obviously, it has no effect because the Rams still move on, but... You have to question, is he fully healthy or is there still something wrong? I don't know originally what was the issue with him, like what the injury was, but you have to question, why is he not getting the ball more? Why are they not doing more for him? I mean, this guy is the NFL leader in total touchdowns, and that's not including passers. I should should have said that. He's got the most receiving and rushing touchdowns. Why is this guy getting the ball four times and rushing for less than 10 yards. Yes, he scored a touchdown, but there's no more going with the flow. Either own up to it and say, hey, he's not fully healthy, or go, he's not in cardio shape because he sat out for all these weeks with an injury to where he couldn't do stuff, and now we have to rely on someone who is in this game flow and in this rhythm. And if it's just because, okay, right now our offense is cooking better with C.J. Anderson, then come out and say that. Don't sit back and feed as a line of this or that. Don't say, oh, we're just going with the flow. If it's because 
right now we have a better chance of winning with CJ Anderson. Say that. If it's because Todd Gurley is hurt, say that. I I am honestly questioning what is going on with him. I love Todd Gurley. He's fantastic. He is just an absolutely amazing player. And to sit back and think that at one point this Georgia backfield when they were in college had Todd Gurley, Sony Michelle, and Nick Chubb on it, it's terrifying. And the fact that they didn't win more games is insane. Now we sit here. He has moved past that knee injury that hampered him in his rookie year. He's moved past the Jeff Fisher era. We need to see more Todd Gurley, I feel like. That's that's the big question is why is he not playing? Why are the Rams not focusing on him? And then some of the big points that I think are going to really have an effect on this game. These are not questions, just things that I'm very interested to see. And that's going to be Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue on the Rams defensive line being able to stop the ball and get to Tom Brady. They obviously, I mean, we're looking at the defensive player of the year. If he does not get the defensive player of the year, I don't know what's going on. The man had half his team's sacks and he was just an absolute beast. Yes, Cleo Mack was good, but Cleo Mack is sitting at home right now, whereas Aaron Donald is going for a Super Bowl. And I think that with these two guys on the defensive line, it's going to be really interesting to see because if they can continue to get to Brady and if they can stop this running game, this game is totally flipped into the Rams' favor. However, if they cannot stop the running game or if they can't get to Brady, whatever one it may be, or if it's both, it really opens the game back up to being whoever and kind of favoring the Pats again. So I really think that at this point, the big offensive teeter-totter is going to be the Pats' run game. If the Pats can, you know, get out there and uh, run the ball down the throats. If the Pats can get out there and run for, you know, 200, 300 yards and score four touchdowns on the ground or three touchdowns on the ground even, it's going to be a huge game for them, and I think that they're going to win. But if they are not able to do that, if this Rams defensive line is able to stop them and they're really their front eight are able to stop them, the front seven, I mean, there's no reason to think that the Pats are really going to pull this one out. Obviously, it's the Pats. I'm sure that they're going to figure out something to get themselves in this game and make it a close Super Bowl. They have always had close Super Bowls. Um, Every Super Bowl that the Pats have been in has been decided by one possession. And it's just, it's insane. You know, I think that if you are able to stop this run game, it really puts a strain on the passing game because it's really just the Rams secondary versus Edelman. Because... We didn't really see a whole lot of Gronk at all throughout the season. He had one big game, and he had a good game in that championship game. But I think that they really are not focusing on on him a whole lot. And so if you're able to shut down Edelman, it really puts a strain on someone to really step up that hasn't stepped up yet. You know, Hogan had the chance to step up early in the season. He didn't. Josh Gordon's no longer there. So really, after Edelman, I mean... You don't have that big one if you're not going to be throwing the ball to Gronkowski. You know, I think that what we're going to see in this rant or in this Pats passing game, I think we're going to see the third straight game for Dorsett to catch a uh, touchdown pass. I think it might be fourth straight. Not sure if he caught one in the season finale, but I do know that he has caught a touchdown pass in both of the Pat's playoff games. I think that he catches another one in the Super Bowl. Might be his only catch like it was in the championship game, but you never really know. And probably the second 
question here for the Rams. You know, the Pats have to look at their run game. That's their big thing to worry about. But the big thing to look at for the Rams behind that defensive line is how's Goff going to play under the lights? You know, the Pats have a very underrated defense, and we saw that against the Chargers and against the Chiefs. They have a very underrated defense. They played very well throughout the season, but no one really gives them the credit that they deserve just because it is the Pats and everyone focuses on Brady. So if you're the Rams, you're thinking, okay, how is this young quarterback going to do in his first truly big spotlight? I mean, he's had big games. He had the championship game. You know, he had that big Monday night football game against um, Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. But this is a whole nother level. This is the Super Bowl. I mean, this is steps above the rest. And he's going up against this defense that really, I think, is going to have a chance to shut them down. And... A lot of people are going, oh, it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a decently medium-scoring game. I don't know what, if that makes sense, but what I'm saying is I think it might be in the 20s. You know, I'll get to my score at the very end when I pick uh, my winner, but I think that these defenses are really going to step up, and I don't think that Goff is going to show up. I think the over-under for him on passing touchdowns, I know it's one and a half right now, and I honestly am would consider taking the under. And then I think his pass yards is like 250 or something like that. It's something in the middle of 200. And I might take the over on the passing yards just because I do think that they're going to have to move the ball just to keep it close because I don't think that they're going to be able to run. But I don't think that Jared Goff is at all going to have a game worthy of a Super Bowl MVP if they were to win. If the Rams do win and he wins Super Bowl MVP, I think it's because he throws a game-winning touchdown or something like that. But I really question how will he play under the spotlight. So, you know, you've got those kind of things that I think are going to be huge for this Super Bowl. What's up with Gurley's health? How are the Rams going to play on that defensive front seven and that defensive line? Will they be able to stop the run, which is the big thing for the Pats? Will the Pats be able to run the ball, or are they going to have to rely on passing against a middle of the road secondary it's not the best but it's also not the worst you know and then how is Jared Goff going to play is he going to come out and play like we saw him in the beginning of the season I mean at the beginning of the season he was playing fantastically but then all of a sudden it's like the Rams hit a brick wall and their defense just or their offense just slowed down so much and that's huge when you're coming into a game like this so I, those are things to look out if you're putting bets out on props that are, are not things like the coin toss or the color of the Gatorade. But if you're actually looking to put out props on the game and, you know, over under points total or if you're looking to bet against the spread, whatever it may be, you really need to ask yourself, OK, how much faith do I have in this Pat's rushing game and you know, how much faith do I have in this defensive line for the Rams? Those are two big things that you really need to look at because if you have a lot of faith in Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue, uh, Corey Littleton, and all these other big middle guys for the Rams defense that are going to be stopping it, then you're probably going to want to go with the under. Or you're probably going to want to go and say that Pats are going to have under X amount of rushing yards. And you're going to want to put your money on that. I think that what we're going to see, I think that the defensive line for the Rams does have a big impact, but I think that once they get down there, the Pats are able to push it in, push it over the line, and they may not run for a whole lot, but I do think that they have more rushing touchdowns than they do passing touchdowns in this game. 
And I don't, like I said, I don't think that Jared Goff has that great of a game. I think that it's a very, kind of a very low scoring game, but a, in my opinion, it's not going to be a disappointing game. It's just not going to be a 57 to 54 point game or whatever you're looking at. So my final pick in the end, my brain is saying New England over the Rams. My logical brain is saying that, you know, it's Tom Brady in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl. Him and Bill Belichick, they'll find a way. So that's what my brain's saying. My heart's saying the Rams just because I do not want to see the Pats win. But if they do, congratulations. You know, they fought to get here. They really played well over the last couple of weeks. And even though there were some boneheaded issues and some big mistakes by that Chiefs defense, they got here fair and square this year outside of the one bad pass play, you know the Chiefs still had a chance to fix themselves. So that's why I think that my head is saying, go with the Pats. They're just the team that's playing better right now. My heart says the Rams, like I said, because I'm against the Pats. Final score, I think it's going to be 24 to 17. I don't know where I got that score. It just seems like a good score for this game. Like I said, New England moves over and takes that trophy, takes the Lombardi trophy. And it's honestly, I think it's going to come down to a not necessarily a two-minute touchdown, but it's going to come down to a touchdown in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. That's what's going to decide this game, I feel like. And in the end, the Pats are victorious. And I would be thoroughly shocked if the Pats win that we don't see Sony Michelle as the MVP of the Super Bowl just because I think that he's going to have the big game. He's going to have all of that stuff on his side. Unless, again, unless there is a, like, a last-minute touchdown that Brady throws... It's going to be Sony Michelle as the MVP when they win. That's kind of how I see it. Give me the Pats over the Rams, 24 to 17. Give me Sony Michelle as the MVP and give me a sad offseason in the NFL knowing that my Colts were just a game away from the AFC Championship game. That's all I got for you guys today. Hopefully you guys are able to listen to this before the Super Bowl. Head out there, watch it, enjoy it. Put some money down on some crazy props. Call heads if you're wanting to go for that. Call, I don't know, six plays that Tony Roma gets right. Do whatever. Enjoy the game. Share us with your mothers, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, whoever it is. Share us. We're just out here trying to show you guys some love and give you guys some sports from an unbiased opinion. We have our sports teams that we root for. Obviously, I'm against the Pats. But here I sit. I'm giving you guys the hard facts that a lot of people may be trying to hide against because they're biased against certain aspects of the game or whatever. So go ahead and share us. If you guys have any questions, you can find us on Instagram at BenchWarmingPod. If you want to email us, we have a Gmail that we use. It's BenchWarmingPod at gmail.com. You know, I do look forward to getting Jeff back on the show. He's not as big into football as I am. He's kind of more of the baseball, hockey kind of guy, and I look forward to having him back. I miss the kid. But yeah, stay tuned for our next episode, which could cover anything. I don't really know. Until then, thanks for listening, and... Have a good night. Peace.